Welcome to another episode of the Raw Paleo Lifestyle Podcast. I'm Emmanuel Zuckerman, your host. And today's topic is types of hunger and lessons to be learned from them. The basic mainstream understanding of nutrition is that the most important thing to a human being, nutritionally speaking, is getting enough calories per day, say 2,000 for an adult male with moderate activity level. And then there's a bunch of little extra things like minerals, vitamins, proteins, and various fats that are like the spicing on the cake that make you a little bit healthier, say making your nails stronger, your hair shinier, or your eyesight a little bit sharper. However, I'm personally very skeptical of the concept of calories as applied to human nutrition. And the most simple argument I can make is just by observing the fact that there are herbivorous animals, there are carnivorous animals, and various other animals with different specializations in their diets. If it is only the calories that mattered, then all animals could eat the same stuff as long as they're getting the right amount of calories for their body weight and activity level, there should be no problem. But the reality is that it is not the calories that matter, but rather the digestive system and whether it is able to extract those things out of the foods. So if a bull, for instance, needs some massive amount of calories, I don't know what per day, let's say 10,000, 20,000 that it obtains from grass, that doesn't mean that we can just take a tenth of that amount of grass and that should suffice for a human. It's not the calories that count, it's the ability to metabolize this food. So given that calories is a very simplistic concept, it is nonetheless pretty widely accepted as the main measure for food energy and therefore you might be surprised to know that there are different types of hunger again which is a little bit inconsistent with calories since then you just have one type of hunger and that is not getting enough calories but actually there's a whole zoo of hunger types for example there is a type of hunger called rabbit starvation it is also known as protein poisoning or fat starvation and the basic idea here is that certain foods such as rabbits have a lot of lean meat which means a lot of protein, but no fats and no carbs. And as a result, if a human subsists solely on rabbits for a long amount of time, they eventually experience rabbit starvation, aka protein poisoning, aka fat starvation. And it doesn't matter how much rabbit they stuff themselves with, they are starving and eventually they die. There's also a sort of meat hunger out there. This is a concept from an Amazonian tribe where they distinguish two types of hunger. One is just overall hunger, like my stomach is empty, I need food now. And a meat hunger, which means you're just not getting meat. Presumably, this is similar to a condition called core, where someone has sufficient calories but insufficient protein. And the symptoms are a swollen belly as well as some other problems and this condition is rare in the developed countries but unfortunately quite frequent in developing countries and there's also a type of hunger which is called 
marasmus, and that's a general malnutrition, basically emaciation, when someone is just withering away due to a lack of food. So moving on past these depressing conditions, it's my personal belief that almost every nutrient that your body needs has a corresponding type of hunger and perhaps even imbalance in nutrients can give rise to hunger such as too much protein but not enough carbs or not enough fats being a type of hunger and what all this means is that feeding ourselves as humans is surprisingly subtle you can't just stuff yourself with anything you see you need to understand there are certain balances that need to be met that you can't just eat one thing for a long time and prosper health-wise and that in my view this all leads credence to the instinctive eating idea where you let your body tell you what it is that it needs for instance it might crave at certain times sugar and other times you might crave some meat and this would be consistent with your body telling you to stave off this specific type of hunger. Now, one interesting idea is the idea of proxy foods. Basically foods that taste like, maybe look like, and feel like natural foods that your body craves, but of course aren't actually those foods and don't satisfy those nutritional needs of your body. The best example that I know of would be a desire by a lot of people to eat crunchy foods. So people buy Lay's and chips and all sorts of things like that and then crunch them and gives them great pleasure but it is pretty well known that these foods have questionable nutritional value. So thinking of a more traditional evolutionary past there aren't too many things which are crunchy. Pretty much only insects like beetles are crunchy foods. So the pretty obvious conclusion here is that your body needs something that can be found in crunchy foods, beetles in particular, such as maybe minerals, and that you need to give it to your body. It sends out signals to you in the form of cravings, like let's get some crunchy food now because I'm not doing well without these minerals. But unfortunately people muffle these cravings by eating junk food. In my view, this is one of the more clear-cut examples of this idea. But a lot of people also hypothesize about other things like perhaps pizza is apparently like biting into an animal, not my experience. Or bread simulates maybe dried meat. Perhaps chocolate simulates liver. That's the only food that I can imagine that looks like liver and can sometimes taste like liver that's natural. And of course, gummy worms are definitely worms. So these are some ideas as to why we get certain cravings and how we trick our bodies by giving it artificial things instead of what it actually needs. And the result is a proliferation of all sorts of medical conditions that no one can really explain and that keep rising in number. Going back to the idea that calories aren't everything, this actually has a lot of implications for our understanding of division of labor. So usually when I see papers discussing women's roles as foragers and men's roles as hunters in the past, the scientists look at it in terms of calories. And somehow they manage to calculate that both sides produce about the same calories 
And then they conclude that the hunters are simply whimsical, they like to have more fun, despite the fact that obviously hunting game like wild boar, mammoths, alligators, and so on and so forth is extremely dangerous, and that this would be contrary to evolution, they somehow conclude that the two are of equal value. But if you understand that there are different types of hunger, and that different foods provide different nutritional value, such as meats being a requirement for fertility, then you understand that it's not just a whimsical thing and that picking berries does not have the same value as bagging an elk, even if the calories seem to be the same. I've already mentioned that I don't respect the theory of calories. There's a clear importance to getting those certain foods. The same thing applies not only to our ancestors, the hunter and gatherers, but also to chimps. Male chimps organize hunts, sometimes females participate, but less so, and they go after colobus monkeys. These colobus monkeys can be dangerous, they bite, they run away. This is much harder to hunt than it is to get figs from a tree. And then once the hunt is complete, the whole tribe of chimps tries to get some meat, there is begging, the females come in there, there is favors being exchanged and all sorts of politics. But the point is, if there is so much of a commotion over a hunt, it's not a whimsical thing. It's important. And in fact, it's how you have fertility, which is ultimately the most important thing for biological organisms.